Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Quaybog Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out on Facebook. That way you'll have access to fresh content every week. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey because our mission here at Quaybog is to help you worship, connect, and serve. Enjoy! saw a meme yesterday that uh, I think <laughs> speaks well to the new year and resolutions. And it said, uh, there's these two, uh, it's a mom and a daughter, a little kid. And the kid looks at the mom and says, you know, mom, what's a new year's resolution? And the mom says to the daughter, oh, it's a checklist for the first week of January. <laughs> you know, because I think that what we get into a lot is we underestimate what we can do in 10 years and we way overestimate what we can do in one Right, we're like, we're oh, this is the year 2023. This is my power year, right? We're going to do all this stuff in one year, and we really, really, really underestimate what we could do in ten. And that that is a life built on something. That's that's something that is it's small and it's incremental and it's not cool or flashy and it's not going to get you likes or follows on social media and it's not going to wow your friends and neighbors. It's just going to be something that happens over a long period of your life as you invest in this relationship with God or your finances, your health, or whatever the thing is. Uh, I mean, those kind of things are, take time. Um, and I read a book, Chop Wood, Carry Water, which is a great book. Uh, I would recommend if you're thinking about the new year ahead and you're thinking about ideas like this, like, Lord, I want to build my life on you. Like, like I want this year to be a year where I really grow in my faith or whatever. Like that book uh, written by a guy that is a Christian, not really a Christian book, but it's a, it's a book about taking small steps, chopping wood, carrying water, chopping wood, carrying water. I want to do other things. Well, too bad. Chop wood, carry water. It's like wax on, wax off kind of a book, you know, but it's really thin and it's really good. But this idea that like, especially that we're going to get into today and talk about today over the next couple of weeks and then even in that money and peace series, like these are ideas. These are like godly principles that are, they need to be lived out lived out, not just like, okay, this is going to be it, and this is what I'm going to do, and it's plain and simple, right? It's easy to say that, but then when you drive up toward Duncan, and you're like, okay, today's the day. I'm going to keep driving tomorrow, <laughs> right? And it's like, before you know it, you spent $700 at Dunkin' Donuts in a month, right? Or whatever the thing might be. And so, um, or I'm going to read my Bible every day of the year this year. And you get behind two days and you're like, oh, I can't do this. This is too much, right? And it's like, it's just two days. And then, you know, I'm going to read the whole Bible in 90 days. Or I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And we set these lofty goals and we forget. It's like, okay, it's just small little steps. Building my life around Jesus Christ and doing whatever I want to do. Setting these goals, little steps. And so to our point today, our series today and next week, uh, Churchy Church. Churchy church, what does it really mean to be a Christian? And then let me ask some questions to kind of go along with that. The first question is, what is the church? What is the church? Or what is church? This, this is a, there's a huge, I think, huge misunderstanding of what this is, what the church is. Because is it a people? Is it a place? Is it small? Is it big? Is it local? Is it international? Like, you know, is it city? Is it rural? Like, what exactly is the church? Or what is a church? Or what is church? And if you have a misunderstanding of this, it's going to completely change the way that you approach church. Right? Completely change the way you approach that. Because it's all the above. It is local. It is international. It is a people. It is a place. Obviously, what we're gathered in here right now is a church. Right? At least the government says so. Right? We are a church. The next question, 
what is it supposed to look like? What is it supposed to be like? If it is a people and it is a place, here's the spoiler. This here, what we do on Sundays, what we do at our small groups, what we do at our recovery groups, what we do at our Bible studies, what we do at our connect groups, all of that, all of that, this especially on Sunday mornings is going to reflect us, correct? It will reflect us. And more pointedly, it's going to reflect who? Say it. Right. Yeah, it's going to reflect me. It's going to reflect you, right? Because it's not just this general, like, oh, I hope other people are doing their thing. No, no, no. I hope as your pastor, you're doing your thing and you're following Jesus with your life, right? And that, because everything we do reflects who we are as individuals. Like, we can't hide, right? Because when people walk in here, when they go to a small group or a recovery group or a connect group or a Bible study, when they walk in there, how do they feel? Do they feel like that place is different because the Spirit of God is there? Do they feel like that place is different because you're there? Different in a good way, not, man, these people are creepy and weird. Well, they may think that anyway, but, like, I walk into this place, and I know there's something different here. And what I love, uh, honestly, like, it's been a huge blessing to me and even Tim. So Tim came in as our youth pastor, our pastor of students, seven months ago-ish. And I said, Tim, one of the best gifts that you can give this church is your fresh set of eyes. I said, I want you for the first 90 days, I want you to be super critical of everything that we do here. And that's hard to give permission to somebody to do that, right? Because I just assume everything we do is awesome right here. And uh, I'm like, but I want you to have super critical eyes because you have a fresh set of eyes. And I want you to come in and say, hey, what is going well? Like, what doesn't make sense that we do that we're just always, you know, saying and like, you don't know why. And one of the biggest things that came out of his time doing that was he loves the community here. He absolutely loves the community feel that he gets here. His wife also feeling like they finally found a church where they are loved, their kids are safe, right? And it's like, that was huge for me. That was such an awesome thing to hear because it's like, that's what you're doing. Like, it's one thing if the pastor might be like that, but the people to be like that and create that kind of atmosphere and how many people I've heard that from that come to visit, I love that. So church has to be a reflection of the people that go there because the church is made up of the church, Right? I mean, that's how, that's how it has to work. And so if we approach it like that, that begins to look different. Because here's a couple of things the church should be. First and foremost, it should be a powerful place where people find a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Right? I mean, that, is, like, that has to be the center of what any church is. And as a result, again, let's make connections. If a church is going to be like that, the people have to be like that. Like, you have to be the kind of person that somebody can say, I can find a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because you're in my life. Like, I have access to God. I have access to Christ because God puts you in my life. Because you're a reflection, right, of your faith. What kind of reflection are you? Our church is then a reflection of you, right, in this community. Next, a church should be, like I said earlier, a place where God's spirit dwells. A church should be, next, a life-changing and life-giving community is found in this place, right? That should be what is here. It's why we have connect groups. It's why we're going to spend this year investing in you as disciples so that you know what it means to live your faith out, right? This should be a place in our recovery groups where life change is happening. Life-giving community is found, right? That's what a church should be. It should look like. Next. And we should have the opportunity to serve one another and our community in the name of Jesus. That's very much different, as we're going to see in a little bit, very much different from a churchy church mindset, where you come in here because you're checking a box, because church is just something that you do, 
right? You don't see yourself as the church. You don't see yourself as coming to serve other people. Um, it's easier for me as a pastor to have this conversation with other people. This one right here. I don't want to go to that church anymore because I'm not being fed. Blech. I don't like hearing that from people, right? It's like, so it's the church's responsibility on a Sunday, one day a week to feed you. That's, that's, that's the pinnacle of everything that you've got is maybe you're going every Sunday of the month, which you're probably not. So two Sundays out of the month, it's your church's responsibility to feed you. Well, no. Well, then why are you leaving? Well, I don't know. It's just, and then, then the conversation gets really awkward. But I, again, I like it when they don't go here because then I can be really hard on them, right? I can say, and I'll be hard on them anyway, but most of the time if people think that about us, what do they do? Do they have a conversation with Pastor Kyle? No, they just bounce, right? They just bounce and they go somewhere else. But when I have somebody else that's just a friend of mine or somebody maybe in town or whatever, and I say, well, what do you go to church for? And they're like, I'm like, well, what is, what is the purpose of church? What is the church? This series right here. I mean, I ask people these questions, and they're like, well. And I'm like, well, do you go every Sunday being like, I'm there to worship God, and I'm there to serve other people? I, I say, is that your two first thoughts when you get up and go to church in the morning? Well, and I know, and I can tell, right? I can tell it's not. And I'm not trying to be a butthead to people. It's just like I know the mentality when I started going to church, it was just something I went to. Right? Because that's everybody else's mentality. It's just something you go to, right? And you hope you don't go to hell because you're going to enough church, right? And it's like, no, am I going there to worship? Am I going there to connect with people? That's why I've got it written all over the place. Am I going there to serve people? Like, do I, do I see myself as gifted by the, the hand of God and I want to invest in other people? Like, that's, that's a different way of looking at church. That's going to be a huge push this year for us to really understand what church is, to have this kind of mentality. Because churchy church doesn't have that kind of mentality, as we'll see in a little bit. Next. And then, our vision at church, right? Our vision at church, again, to these things over here, to be an authentic home for the hope of Jesus Christ through what? Exceptional, spirit-led worship, connection, and service to who? Our surrounding communities. Churchy church is meant for only you. Churchy church says, what can you do for me? Right? What kind of preaching? What kind of music? What kind of programs? What kind of, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of? I want to come there and I just want it to be all about me. The reason we put this in our vision statement is because these things are, yes, obviously for us as followers of Christ, but we are meant to be a part of this community. That's what Christians are called to do, right? Churchy church is only about us and what we want. A, a church that's following Christ has this idea that we're building disciples here and then we're pushing out to our community with the hope of Christ. Right? That's who we are. And that's once a year, we're going to be doing basically this series. This was a focus series that we did at the beginning of my time as the lead pastor back in July. And once a year, we're going to come back around these things just so we can remember, right? We can keep our eyes on the vision, on the mission, the purpose of what we're doing here as a church community. And then next, our mission as a church because of that. Our day-to-day, -day, right? That's our vision, our, our, our preferred future. Day-to-day, -day, we're going to love God, we're going to love people, and we're going to help them start and grow a relationship with Jesus Christ. As your pastor, I am always going to be pushing you to grow in your faith, right? Grow in your faith so that Ephesians 4 can happen, so that the body can build itself up. That's a really important word in that passage in Ephesians 4, so that the body can build itself up, right? Empowering you to empower you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? That's what our day-to-day -day mission here at this church is. And that's what this local church is about. So, just in case you missed, this isn't just something you attend. If you're a Christian, what? 
to you are. Personalize that. It's who I am, right? Me too, as your pastor, right? It's not just something I attend. It's not just like me dancing on the stage, right? It's like, it's, it's me following Christ, what I've been called to do, which is different than what you've been called to do, right? It's who I am as well. So I want you to notice too, this morning, we're going to land uh, in Matthew chapter 16, and uh, we're going to be in verses 15 through 19. And I want you to notice the power that Jesus gives to the church, right? As some people have kind of misunderstood this, they see Peter is the one uh, being given the power here. Peter is not the one being given the power here. This is Jesus starting with Peter and Jesus building something, starting with Peter. But notice the spiritual power and the spiritual authority that he gives to his church. This is where kind of famously, to give you a little context, what's happening here. The, the disciples had been brought to this very pagan place, right, where they worship all kinds of gods. They don't really know who Jesus is. So Jesus kind of intentionally brings them to this place, uh, Caesarea Philippi, and he says to them this question right here. He asks right up front, because there's so much confusion about who Jesus is, and he says, who do you say that I am? And that's a great question, right? That's a great question. So if you're a follower of Christ today, if you're not a follower of Christ today, if you're just curious, this is like, this is what it all boils down to with Jesus. Who do you say that I am? From a theological perspective, A.W. Tozer, theologian, uh, a long time ago, said the most important thing about a man is what he thinks about God. You know, where, where do you land with who God is? Because that's what Jesus says. Well, what about you disciples? And then Peter would famously reply this. He says, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. It's, it's Peter's confession, his messianic confession of who Jesus is. He finally gets, okay, you're the guy we've been hoping for all these years. Not 100% sure what that means, but I know you're that guy. And he's like, okay. So then that means you're in charge of me and you are in charge of us is what Peter really is identifying Jesus as. So then Jesus says, hey, good to go. Verse 17, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven, right? So there's something, there's something otherworldly about what Jesus is about to talk about. There's something otherworldly, supernatural about this thing that Jesus is about to describe here, right here, because it's been revealed by his father in heaven. And he goes on, he says, and I also say to you that you are Peter Petros, which was actually just a name like Rocky, right? This is like a nickname he gives him. And on this rock, Petra is the word for that. I will build my church. And notice this. This is a really important way to think about this passage. And the gates of hell will not overpower it. So what we're looking at here is this, this power that's going to start with Peter and what he is going to do. So Peter is going to be a leader of this new movement, this new thing, this new church that he is going to build, this ecclesia that he is going to build. So he's first and foremost, he says, this is something God's revealed to you about who I am, which means about like my role in this thing, this church that we're about to do. And then the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not overpower. It will not be able to stand against it is another way of translating that. So an interesting way to look at this and a really important way to look at this passage is that the church should be an offensive organization, an offensive organism. Like this is something that's not just like sitting back and like, and just kind of waiting. It's like, no, no, not even hell itself is going to be able to stop what I'm going to do through the church, how I'm going to reach people. How I'm going to snatch souls, so to speak, away from hell. Like hell is not going to be able to overpower it. Like this is an offensive thing that we're talking about here with this church. And then he goes on 
And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Now this, again, some denominations have taken this to see that, you know, church leaders, whatever they say is whatever God says. And that's not true, right? Just because I'm up standing on a stage and preaching the gospel doesn't mean I'm infallible. doesn't mean every word that ever comes out of my mouth is straight directly from God. I don't speak ex cathedra from up here, right? But what it means is that, look, leaders in church, what I'm giving you, what I'm empowering you with, like your will, your mind is going to be in line with mine, is what Jesus is saying. Like you are going to be able to help people understand how they come into alignment with who I am as your Savior, as your Messiah. Like that's the responsibility. That's a scary responsibility that Jesus just handed off to Peter. He's like, look, you need to know my will so well that you're in tune with what is good and what is not good. And he continues that idea in the next part of the verse. And he says, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. It's like, so this is a huge responsibility that he has laid on Peter. Like your responsibility for, you're responsible for letting the world know my will, for letting people know who I am. And again, in case maybe you're not connecting the dots where I'm going, I'm talking about all of us as well. That's a huge responsibility that's also been laid on us. Like we are responsible for introducing people to who Jesus Christ is. Like that's the power of the local church, of followers of Jesus, is because we are ultimately, what a church is about is responsible for making disciples who can what? Yeah, that's what, that's what church should be. That's what he's just got done saying to Peter. You are responsible for introducing people to the creator of the universe through Jesus Christ. Next, a church should be a hospital. And this is from my focus series I did back in July. I'm just repeating all this stuff. A hospital for the spiritually what? And emotionally sick. Because you can come here with your stuff and you don't have to think you need to be perfect. Like you can come here, find somebody to pray with and say, man, I'm just a mess right now. I just need somebody to pray with me. And somebody would be like, yeah, I will. I don't really know what to say, but man, I'll, I'll pray with you. Because we gotta, we got to get rid of this idea that oh, I'm just not good at praying in front of people. Well, can you breathe in front of other people? Right? Can you talk in front of other people? Like Christians, that should never come out of our mouth. Like, I'm just not comfortable praying in front of other people. Well, why? Like, what if somebody says, hey, can you just pray with me? Oh, I'm not comfortable doing that. Oh, wow, that was awkward. You know, no, like we are light bearers. We are like, we are empowered with what Jesus said. Like this is like, this is something that we all are. And so people should be able to come here a mess and find people that will come alongside them. Next, a church should be a place where you're expected and encouraged to be real, right? Because the other one can't happen if this doesn't happen, right? If we're not honest about our sin, if we're not honest about our struggles or our mental health problems, like if we can't be open and real about those things, that's churchy church right? That is churchy church. Just come here looking okay. Next, as a result, questions and doubts. In a real church, at a, like a church, hopefully, that is Christ-centered, questions and doubts are going to be welcomed and talked about. Do I always have the answer? Absolutely not. Man, why did my mom have to die so young? I can't just be like, well, let's turn to John. No, like that's a really hard question. That's real life stuff that I don't always have the answers for, but man, I will sit, I will cry with you, I'll pray with you. Like that's you know, like, and I don't always have the answers for things. But man, you can bring your doubts, you can bring your questions, and not just to Pastor Kyle. Why? Because we are all following Christ. And I, I just, I don't know, I hate to get into those conversations because I don't want to not have the answer. So you just don't grow in your faith at all. That's honestly, from, I'm just giving you my honest, what I've seen over the years that I've been here, is people don't grow in their faith because they're nervous they won't have the right answers. Well, what's the problem with saying, hey, I don't really know, but you know what, I do know somebody who does. Let me be a part of that process. 
And then I can learn through that process by going to another believer and asking them that question. That's church. That's what we all get to do. Next, a church should be a place for worship, connection, and service, right? Your, your life. You should be a person that reflects that as well. And a couple more. This house, this house of worship should be alive and full of the life-giving message of the gospel. Hopefully that's what it is. That's what we do here. Next, hopefully a church that's centered around Jesus is a place that's vital to our community, which I think we are. Every year we're doing more and more stuff to try to be a part of this community, try to bring the hope of love of Christ in tangible ways into this community all around us, right? We got one coming up in a couple weeks, right, with our food drive. And then a place full of truth and grace. That's all pretty powerful stuff. Now here's what a churchy church, though, looks like. On the other side of that, so what's churchy church look like? What's that feel like? It ends up being a social club for self-righteous people. I'm better than them. I'm better than everybody else. Um, and your sin's gross. And I don't have any. So we all come here and we all look like we have it all put together. And honestly, for a long time, that was my perspective of church. Because no matter where I lived in the country, moved all over the country, it seemed like every time I went to a church and I was young and new in my faith, that was the message I was getting. It seemed like everybody, like, they kind of had it together. Like, they, they weren't dealing with my issues, that's for sure. Man, they hadn't been abused when they were a kid, that's for sure. They didn't have addictions, that's for sure. Like, all this stuff, I was just like, okay, so when I come, I need to... I need to kind of have it put together. But I had those, I did have those moments though, when it wasn't churchy church, when people like, they loved me and they accepted me knowing where I was. And so it was like, I got to see these glimpses of like a Christ-centered church. But a churchy church next also though, is gonna be a place where you're expected to be fake, okay, good, or all set. <laughs> hey man, how you doing? Like, I know you're struggling. No, no, I'm all set. I'm good. Are you really? Yeah, yeah, I'm all set. And I'm like, dude, I know your life's falling apart. I know, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Like, I know. Stop saying that, right? If you're not, don't be fake, right? But again, churchy church is where you're expected to say that because we don't want to deal with each other's problems. That's gross, right? Next. Questions and doubts are off limits because, again, that takes time and that's gross. It's weird. I don't know the answers and I don't want to know the answers, right? Don't give me your problems. Next. Churchy church is a place to meet your needs and keep you entertained, right? I'm not being fed because I don't like Pastor Kyle's preaching. I don't like his points. I don't like the small groups. I don't like the kids zone. I don't like the worship music, man, all this kind of stuff. I don't like. Well, why don't you like it? What if people were just bold enough to be like, well, because church is about me. Like Nobody's going to say that, right? Nobody's going to say that. And I've fallen into that too. Like at churches I've attended, I'm like, man, I just don't like this music. I'll sing it because it's a churchy church thing to do, right? But it's like, where's my heart when I go to a local church? Am I going there because I want to worship and I want to serve other people or because I need to find my fit, right? Like, it's like a restaurant, right? We are a consumer society and we got to fight that because that's what churchy church ends up being. It's all about me, Kyle, what I want, right? Next, it's dead. It's missing the hope and truth of the gospel. Next, churchy church ends up being an irrelevant building in the community. Why? Because churchy churches are only focused on themselves, it's full of a bunch of people that are only concerned with what their needs are. So what does that mean? To hell with the community is what that means. I don't care about the community, what it wants, its problems, younger generations, right? Younger generations, they're such a mess. They're all gross. They have no idea what work ethic is, you know, and it's like we just write off millions of people in a churchy church. But a Christ-centered church says, no, no, no. We have to be a part of our community. We have no other choice except to reach out to people that hate us. Like, that's a Christ-centered church. But a churchy church ends up being pretty relevant. Next, 
It's a place that's lacking truth or grace. You know, they swing one way or the other big time around truth or grace. Next question. How does this local church not end up a churchy church in 2023? So we have a plan, believe it or not. We have some ideas around this idea, how, how Quaybog Church, how this local church can avoid being a churchy church in 2023. So what are some of the things that we want to do coming up in the next year? So as I said earlier this morning, we're going to be having a theme of this entire year, uh, gospel in real life. So next slide. So gospel in real life is where we are going to be in 2023. So we're going to be hanging a lot of our series that we do on this theme right here. So we're going to be next in our Money and Peace series, right? That's something that, again, has been born out of talking with people in our church, thinking through issues that are on the news and like how that looks and what that feels like. So practically speaking, we want to do that. Practically speaking, we want to then land that series um, and other series that we do uh, in a way that you can see, cause, and, and go to that next slide, because I kind of went ahead, in a way that you can take Scripture and you can see how it applies, changes, and blesses you in what? In real life, right? It's not just a textbook, a history book that we're reading. Like, this is something that we want to make sure this year we're pushing really hard to help you see how Scripture applies, changes, and blesses your real life, your relationships, right? The first one we do, uh, of course, is going to be finance, but, like, how about relationships? How about a little bit later in the year, mental health? We're going to do a series in Genesis because there's so much of the Bible that hinges on the book of Genesis. It's a hugely important book, and so we're going to be there later in the year. But what does all that stuff mean in real life? That's where we want to land because if we all embody this, if we all see how this applies to our real life, it will slowly begin to change how we are. Some of those wounds will be let go. Some of us will be able to forgive. Some of us will be able to let go of anger and addiction and hurt and woundedness. And we'll be able to embrace the power that Jesus described in Matthew 16 to the Apostle Peter. And then we're going to be very intentional about biblical teaching on Sundays, yes, about what we do in connect groups. We're going to be very intentional about next opportunities to serve in the church and in our community. And we're going to be very intentional about team and leadership development in our church so that we become a church that knows what we're about, that we can embody that, that we know how to make disciples that can make disciples, that we all have practical, clear steps to do that. And we're going to start in just a couple weeks with, like I said, the, the money and peace series. Those two words don't have to be oxymorons. And then we're going to take that series, again, very, very story-driven, and we're going to land in something that's going to help all of us get our minds around what this looks like. So I'm thinking across the board here of young and old people, right? I'm thinking of couples that are individuals just starting out. I'm thinking of grandparents that have now grandkids and several of them, because we're going to land in our connect groups. Next slide. We're going to land in the Financial Peace University Connect Groups. So that is going to give us, like, concrete ways of finding financial peace. And if you're not in a stage of life anymore where you're worried about that, I bet you've got grandkids. I bet you've got kids that are, right? And so as a follower of Christ, how can I bring the hope in practical ways? Well, this is a nine-week course that all of our Connect Groups are going to do so that we can bring in biblical principles, godly principles, learn them, have like our lives blessed, gospel in real life, but then also be able to teach our kids that, maybe be able to share that with our grandkids because what our church did was we had some generous donors donate some money so that we could get a site license for our church. What does that mean? We have people here in our church that are investing in all of us. They're investing in us in a way that allows us to hand out an unlimited number of Ramsey Plus memberships to anybody we want. 
So that means everybody in this church will have access to this, which has all kinds of great stuff, budgeting stuff, like tips, like how to send your kids to college debt-free. I mean, like you name it, like it's all part of this. It's like an unbelievable deal that we get to share. And it's also an outreach tool, right? So people that are not even a part of our church, uh, we, can, we can post things online and say, hey, are you having issues with your finances? We're going to have a one-day seminar here. Uh, and we're going to have some people here to help out with that, and then we can help them connect again. So now all of a sudden we got people just at least listening a little bit to God. Like, oh, maybe God does know what he's talking about on some things. Maybe there's some other areas in my life that I can listen to God on. So how can we love our community in really tangible ways? Uh, is like a big step is this one here, right? A big step is this type of a thing here, because that is where we are as a church. Like, how can we invest in you? How can we invest in our community? How can we love you? How can we love our community? How can we be the hope of Christ here? How can we be the hope of Christ in our community? Like, these are all ways that we really, really want to do that. And I, I love that a lot of people came to me first. And this idea didn't come from me. This idea came from other people. Like, this series that we're going to do, this Financial Peace University thing, this came from other people. And spoiler alert, this can be difficult for a pastor to talk about at church because everybody's like, oh, churches just want your money all the time, you know? So it can be really, really awkward to talk about money. But hopefully I've got a little, like, relational collateral with you now after seven months that you know that I do want to invest in you. You know that being a disciple really does include our money because that's a big part of who we are, and God talks about it a lot in the Bible. So how can we bring that in a way that really blesses you? That's the gospel and real-life thing, and that's where we're headed, and that's why we're bringing stories of our church members into it because this is something we all get to do together. Cool? So that's where we're headed. That's one of the things we're doing. And this all, just as a reminder, this is all under the umbrella of our vision, right? To be an authentic home for the hope of Jesus, through exceptional spirit-led worship connection service to our surrounding communities. To us, certainly, but to our surrounding communities. Why do we do all these things? Why do we not want to be churchy church? Well, next is because our worship is focusing your life on the life giver, right? But when you come here, it's not about, like, what can I get? It's about, I'm going to come and I'm going to focus my life on the life giver. That's what I'm doing as a follower of Jesus. That's what I do when I go to that thing we call church. And then connection. These are all defined. We did this, again, last July. Living connected means stepping into those messy places where God is at work. So again, it's a mindset change. Like when I join a connect group, when I join a Bible study, when I join a recovery group, when I go to church on Sunday, when I live my life day to day, I want to live connected because that's what God calls me to do because that's where he's at work but it's messy. But that's what, that's what Christians are called to do, to live in community, right? Not cut off all the sinners in your life, but to go and live in community with sinners, with other saints. And then lastly, is to serve, to have hands and feet for your love for God. That's really all service is, saying, you know, this is what I believe, this is who I am, and I'm going to pour that out because of that. Like, that's what church is. That's what the church should look like. And again, that's why we got it plastered all over the place. And then go to the uh, pyramid slide. We'll skip two slides there. And again, this is a, a picture I'm just regularly trying to keep in front of us here at church. We've got our mission, vision, our mission, our core values. All of those things are within what we are referring to as this inverted pyramid of Christian influence and leadership. So as a follower of Jesus Christ here at this church, as a member at this church, what are we expecting? Well, that you're finding a way to go down this pyramid so you can serve other people. So you can find out how you're gifted, and you can pour and invest in other people. You're not staying up like kind of around the top of the pyramid. You're saying, no, I want to, all these things are really about this. I'm going to work my way down a pyramid because Pastor Kyle's at the very, very bottom of this thing, and I'm investing in people above me so that they can invest in people above them, and we can build God's body like we're supposed to do. 
We all find our giftedness. We all invest in other people. And that's what our model here is at this church. Because I think doing this really does help us from becoming a, a churchy church. Having these things, talking about them regularly at our church, like to the point where hopefully you get sick of them. And you're like, okay, we know what they are. Then it's like, all right, now I just need to mention it two more times. Right? Because it's, it's who we are as a church. who we are as followers of Jesus. And I want to end um, in Galatians 5. We, we started out here uh, this morning in our, in our call to worship, in our worship focus. And Galatians 5, chapter 1, was the verse that we pretty much kept repeating over and over and over again during Christmas. Because our theme was freedom for the, for the Advent season. It says in verse 1, For freedom, Christ set us free. That's why. For freedom. So stand firm then and, and, then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. So here's where Paul starts off his idea. And he says, skipping to verse 5, For we eagerly wait through the Spirit by faith, the hope of righteousness. Right? We have to live this life. Like, we've got to slowly walk out our faith. And verse 6, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, so uh, external things, right? External things is what he's saying, accomplishes anything. What matters most is faith working through love. It's a huge, huge theme in the New Testament. And then skipping up to verse 13. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. You know, don't be a hypocrite, essentially, but serve one another through love, right? And I think, again, 2,000 years ago, Paul, like, it's just like he's writing the same kinds of people as us. Like, how often do, can a Christian be like, well, I'm good with God, I know I am, and, it, like, and that creates a sense of, like, elitism in us or, like, separation from people or something. I don't, I don't know what it is. But Paul's saying, look, don't use that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, as in, you know, sin or being a hypocrite. But, but press in. Use that freedom you have in Christ to press in and serve one another through love. It's a very active thing we have in Christianity. It's not just a faith system of belief, right? You can't read the New Testament and think that God's looking for scholarship. He's looking for discipleship. Right? And we're not just collecting information. If I collected information about you and didn't have a relationship, what would they call me? They'd call me a stalker. And that's awkward. Right? Jesus is not looking for a bunch of stalkers. He's looking for disciples that follow him and live out and have a relationship with him. Right? We're not just accumulating knowledge. In verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what we read this morning. And then verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. Basically, hell doesn't have to worry about churchy church. It'll take care of itself. It will eat and destroy itself because those people in a churchy church only care about what's best for them, right? And we have got to fight that because everything we have watched for the last month and now we'll watch for another month on ads on TV, on things that we need to buy, things that are gonna make us better and make us happier, they're all telling us our lives are awful, and if we just buy this, that, or the other, we'll finally be happy. We'll finally be there. It's not bad buying stuff. I'm not saying that. But it's like when it becomes all about us and we take on that mentality, we bring that into church, and this is the kind of stuff that can happen, right? Because we don't have grace for one another, right? We just don't have that. We're not willing to call one another out in truth because it's like, well, they're just going to think I'm acting like a, a hypocrite or I'm holier than now, or it's like there's no permission to do any of that, like good life-changing, life-bringing stuff in a churchy church. And Paul's saying don't do that because you will take yourselves out. And that's really what churchy church is, is just the selfishness and the inward-focused uh, mentality that can happen really easily. 
And here at Quaybog Church, again, we want to be about worship, connection, service. We want to be about worship, connection, and service. Like when you live your life, when you walk into this building, when you come to a group, is your mindset, I'm there to worship, I'm there to connect with people, I'm there to serve other people. Because that's what Christians do. That's who I am. That's what I'm about. That's what this church is about. So yeah, um, we want to avoid churchy church because that's not what Jesus started. That's not the power that we see in Matthew 16. It's not something that endures for 2,000 years through persecution. Much of Christian history, you know, there was some pretty serious persecution. Tried to stamp out for 300 years the movement of Christianity, the way was persecuted to death all over the place and just kept growing. No power, no influence, just loving people like ridiculous, like crazy. And it changed the Western world. It's amazing. But not by being churchy church. So my question here I'll end with. Um, will you join us? Like, will you say, okay, this is who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I want to be in on this. Like, that's who we are as a church. That's where everything we're going to do is going to focus on, is building you up to be the disciple that God calls you to be so that you can build into other people. Right? That, that's, that's what we do at Quaybog Church, because that makes a difference. That changes history. That changes eternity for people. And that's what we're about here. Amen? So let me close in prayer. So, Lord, I, I thank you um, just for what you've given us in the pages of the New Testament. Just the power, the beauty, the life-changing stuff that we get to see. Lord, I want our church to be that. I want people here to experience the freedom that you offer, the forgiveness, the restoration, the healing uh, that you offer, Lord, that I've seen in my own life, in my own heart, and in my own soul. Uh, Lord, I just want to pray that you would, um, that 2023 would be different, not because of a resolution, but because we are taking little steps. We're chopping wood and carrying water, Lord. Every day we are just doing the little things to grow in our faith. And I do ask you, Lord, that you would bless those efforts of people because you know we are imperfect, Lord. We are sheep and we do bite one another. We do make mistakes. I'm going to say things that are not right and wound people and hurt people, and I know that, Lord, but would you help us to keep moving forward? Like Paul said in Philippians 2, Lord, that we would just be united together in our mission centered around the gospel. Lord, help us to be a Christ-centered church, Lord Jesus. And I pray that in your name, Jesus Christ. And his church said, amen. Well, happy new year, everybody. God bless you. We love you here. We'll see you next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.